0: Good morning. We're very glad you're here. Labor Day weekend, opening dove season, all things of significant importance. I really wanted to show up today in camo, really wanted to, after having dove hunted, but I didn't. But I missed my option, so um, y'all pray with me and then we'll begin. Lord, we are thankful. We are thankful that we can come to you in prayer, that the King of Kings and Lord of Lords... Desires to hear from and to be heard from. Lord, your children are thankful this morning. I pray that as we consider prayer, that we would be quickened, that our affections would be raised. Lord, I pray specifically this morning for Randy Dahl, the pastor of Johnson Street Church of Christ. And just uh, as I've seen some email communications this week of a number of things he's working on, pray that you would bless him in those things. I pray that his walk with his family is sweet and that he's leading his church well with the other men that he leads with. Lord, I pray that on the Labor Day weekend, with all the traveling and different things going on, that you would uh, keep people safe and that they would not lose sight of their uh, Lord and Savior. We love you. We praise you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, we finished up our series on conflict. I think it was a 32-part series, and we finished it last week. And all those sermons are online if you'd like to utilize them as a resource in the future, and we would, we would encourage you to do that. Today, I felt led to take a Sunday to consider prayer. When I realized the Lord was leading me to do that, I'll be honest that I thought, Oh, Lord, we just, we just had all this very practical day-to-day um, study of things that were really, you know, applicable and, and tangible, and you really want me to just preach on prayer, um, at which he spiritually smacked me and, uh, and was like, are you kidding? Um, he didn't say that. I didn't hear that audibly, but I sensed that was what he was saying. Um, it was interesting. I just thought, well, is that tangible? Is that practical? Does our body need to hear about prayer, Lord? And I would encourage you, if you feel that prayer is more of an elementary section of your Christianity, or if prayer is something that we should certainly teach our children while assuming that us adults already have that figured out, most likely, then my hope this morning is to raise your affections. I want to raise your affections this morning. I hope to encourage you in the mind-blowing reality that the King of kings and the Lord of lords who has stretched out the heavens... Who has numbered our days, who knows our deepest needs before we ever voice them. As we learned Wednesday night, who pays attention to all of the details before we pay attention to any of the details. That God, the one true God, has given us access in Christ that says, I desire to hear from my children and I have something to say to my children. And it is a daily, moment by moment, constant in prayer kind of walk. The one true God allows us to let our requests be made known. And then he tends to those requests and other details unknown to us with an attention to detail and a level of compassion that we cannot comprehend in our finite state. And he doesn't tell us that prayer is simply an option, like a benefit to being a part of a club. Now that you're in, this is something you can do if you would like. That's not what prayer is. Rather... He commands us to persevere in it, to remain steadfast in it, and to strive in prayer. Turn with me to Mark chapter 14. We're going to look at Jesus' prayer in Gethsemane this morning. Mark chapter 14, and we're going to be looking particularly at verses 32 through 38. I'm going to read the text out loud completely, and then we'll just kind of take it a verse at a time. Mark 14, verse 32 through 38. And they went to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. This is Jesus saying to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John, and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. And he came and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. So we see Jesus stopping in an important hour to pray. So the obvious encouragement for us right up front of why we should pray, because Jesus prayed. It's sort of a trump card. If you were to argue with me and say, well, I don't know how important it is, I could be like, well, Jesus prayed. And you'd be like, okay, then I have to pray because we're to follow our Lord and Master. So here in this hour where he was soon to be betrayed, Christ knelt to pray, his time on earth was limited. His time on earth was limited just like ours. Yet, rather than squeezing in as many opportunities or appointments as possible, or trying to share the message one more time, or even appealing further to his disciples who were close to him, He sees that there would be no better way to spend this time than in prayer to his Father. And this was not an isolated event. Though this was toward the end of his earthly ministry, there were many times in its duration where Jesus would go away to a quiet place or a solitary place and pray. But what does that mean? What is prayer? As I was studying this week, I ran across an article about a pastor's discussion with a group of children. It said this, Mr. Moody was once addressing a crowded meeting of children in Edinburgh, Scotland. In order to get their attention, he began with a question What is prayer? looking for no reply and expecting to give the answer himself. To his amazement, scores of little hands shot up all over the room. He asked one lad to reply, and the answer came at once clear and correct from this young boy. Well, prayer is an offering up of our desires unto God for things agreeable to his will in the name of Christ with confession of our sins and thankful acknowledgement of of his mercies. That's what your answer would have been, right? Quite clear, concise. Let me read it again. This little boy, when asked what prayer was, said, Prayer is an offering up of our desires unto God for things agreeable to his will in the name of Christ with confession of our sins and thankful acknowledgement of his mercies. Mr. Moody's delighted comment was, Thank God, my boy, that you were born in Scotland. But that was almost a century ago. What sort of answer would we get today? Be it from children or adults. Do we have a right biblical view of prayer? Do we have the high and necessary view of it as stated in Scripture? If one were to ask you about your personal prayer life, would you have much to share? The boy's answer is convicting to me. I read that boy's answer and I thought, I don't, I don't know if mine would have been quite as on the money. He explains wonderfully what Jesus was doing when he went to God in prayer. Offering up desires to God agreeable to his will. He explains it wonderfully. But my thought was, does he explain what I do when I go to God in prayer? Is that what it looks like for me in prayer? Does my prayer life reflect the character of Jesus in his prayer life? Then as part of my sermon preparation this week, I spent a lot of time studying the prayer lives of great men of our faith. I found myself deeply convicted at how so many other things choke out the time necessary for deep and uninterrupted prayer. I had to ask myself, when's the last time I saw a solitary place where I could spend time in prayer? I read of these men, David Brainerd, he prayed for the Indians tirelessly while alone in the wilderness battling sickness with little signs that the gospel was having any impact on them. He continued to lift them up in prayer tirelessly. Bishop Andrus spent the greatest part of five hours every day in prayer and devotion. Now I set goals, but I don't know if that's going to be my goal. Five hours every day in prayer and devotion is pretty significant. Sir Henry Havelock, he was a little more reasonable guy, always spent the first two hours of each day alone with God. Earl Kane rose daily to secure at least an hour before an hour before um, conducting family worship. McShane states, I feel it far better to begin with God, to see his face first and to get my soul near him before it is near another. Such an encouragement to me. I feel it necessary to see the face of the Lord and to get my soul near him before I'm around others. Because if I want to have the impact as an ambassador, I need to have been near the Lord. I've heard it said that, is that not what God's children want? They want to be near someone who has been near the Lord. If they need encouragement, they need guidance, they need warning, they want to hear from someone who has been near the Lord, particularly in prayer. Another pastor said this, very convicting. A desire for God which cannot break the chains of sleep is a weak thing. Ooh, does that hit anyone sideways? That stung a little bit. A desire for God that cannot break the chains of sleep is a weak thing and will do but little for God after it has indulged itself fully. The desire for God that keeps so far behind the devil and the world at the beginning of the day will never catch up before the end of it. And it was Luther who said, He who has prayed well has studied well. And here it's Jesus who says, Sit here while I pray. Sit here. While I pray, let's climb back into the text. Look at verse 33. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. So, see the picture here. Jesus is going to pray. And as he goes to pray, he is greatly distressed and troubled. This leads me to ask you the question Are you greatly distressed and troubled? Is there anything distressing or troubling in your lives? Do you trust God enough to go to him with these things, even when you feel like you only have a certain amount of time to tend to the issues at hand? Do you trust God enough to go to him with these things rather than stirring and stewing and trying to deal with your distresses and your troubles independently? Christ sets a significant example for us. For in him there is no sin. I want you to think about this. None of his distress is the product of his sin. None of his trouble is the product of his bad decisions and prayerlessness and godlessness. So I would ask how much more so should we go to God in our distress and in our trouble if the sinless King of Kings went to God in his distress and his trouble, which was free of sin? Look at verse 34. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. I want you all to remember what he, co- he told them to do. He commands his disciples to watch, and this is going to be important in the next few verses, 35 through 36. And going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it be possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. Consider the treasure that we can dig from Jesus' heartfelt prayer in an hour of great weightiness. First, he says, Abba, Father. The ESV notes that the idea of praying to God as our Father, as Abba, conveys the authority, warmth, and intimacy of a loving Father's care. Jesus' disciples are invited into the intimacy of God with the Son, God the Son with his Father. It's a picture of intimacy. If you're a father, I'm sure that if you're a good father, you want your children to know they can come to you. And, and to, to say, when you hear your children say, Daddy, it's very different than if they said, hey, uh, Scott, Scott, can you come here? That's very different from Daddy. So Jesus starts with an expression of God's compassion and intimacy, Abba. I can call you Daddy, I can call you Father. Not in, an, in a... Re- a way that lacks respect, not in an irreverent way, but in an intimate way, in a warm way, like a fatherly movement there. He starts with an, an expression of God's compassion and intimacy, and then he says, All things are possible for you. This is a statement of power. We're learning how to pray from the way that Jesus prayed in an hour of great weightiness. He starts off with this compassion and this heartfelt nature of his father, and then he moves into a statement of power. All things are possible for you, Abba, Father. So in prayer, we, like Christ, are addressing our Abba, Father, who is both compassionate and full of power. Nothing is impossible for him. That means that our prayers, there's no limit there. If nothing's impossible for him, there are not things that we say, well, I'll take this to God, but I won't take this to God. Nothing's impossible for him. Remove this cup from me, are the next words. All things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. This is the part of the prayer that is the appeal. We've studied it previously, but for the sake of stirring us up by way of reminder, turn to Philippians 4. Keep your finger in Mark 14. We'll only be here for a second. But turn to Philippians chapter 4. I'm going to look at verses 4 through 7 because I think it helps us to understand what Jesus is doing when he says, remove this cup from me. Philippians 4, verses 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Does God need us to remind him of anything? Does the Lord need us to, to go to Him in prayer so that we can make sure He doesn't overlook the particular needs that we have in our life as He's tending to the particular needs of others' lives? No. Though God does not need any new information from us, He allows us to let our requests be made known. I really want everyone to grasp the awesomeness of that. He doesn't need more information, but He, he wants us to, to let our requests be made known. When you think to yourself, I can't go to God with this. He's got bigger things to worry about. No. Hear Abba, Father, let this cup pass from me. Let your request be made known to God as Jesus let his request be made known to God. He allows that. To state it another way, we could say, it is important to God. That's where we listen closely. Because when something's important to God, that's something that becomes important to us as children. And it's wrapped in promises. And those are promises that we hang on to when we, need to when we need to recall them for the sake of moving faithfully through every moment of the day. We're to be constant in prayer. To state it another way, it's important to God that his children know that they can come to him with requests. I'm a father. Would I be a loving, compassionate father if all I wanted my children to do was not bother me? Sometimes at the end of a long day, you can get there, like maybe an hour of not bothering me. We are not God. But think about that. You want your children to know that they they can come to you. And here, it's important to God that his children know that they can come to him with requests. This is not all of prayer, but this is part of prayer. And our compassionate God welcomes it. And then we see that God, in Philippians 4, through prayer, guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus with a peace that exceeds understanding. A peace that exceeds understanding. How many control freaks do I have in the room? Yes, one honest control freak and a bunch of dishonest control freaks. I don't know about you, but I love understanding. I love walking by sight. I have actually prayed before, Lord, I don't want to walk by faith, I want to walk by sight. It's easier, it's not as stressful. And in that prayer I realized that's not faithful, that's sight, but I love understanding. I like it best when I know what is going on and what is going to go on and what steps I need to take to be faithful. I really like that. But God makes it clear, what God makes clear is that there is a peace that exceeds or is better than that. There's a peace that comes from Him when we let our requests be made known to Him, when we go to God, when we unburden our hearts to the Lord let this cup pass from me he gives us this peace that exceeds, that's better than understanding. In prayer, this is what we're aiming for. And that peace exists, why? Because our God is trustworthy, not because we've gone through an exercise where we feel better. It's there because our God is completely and totally trustworthy. He's never let anybody down in any way. He's never expressed love to anybody that was lacking, even in just the smallest form. There's never been anything that our God has done that could have been improved upon. He's trustworthy. And when we go to him in prayer, he gives us a peace that exceeds our, the, the understanding. Understanding what's, is not what is most important. It is peace that exceeds it. In a way, our appeal for understanding is also our surrender of that understanding because the peace of God is sweeter. And this is why Jesus prayed what he did. Turn back to Mark 14. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. This is an expression of deep trust. If we're honest, I think some of us can be fueled in our prayers because we don't trust God. That's something we have to be careful about. There's two ditches to avoid here. There's the ditch of prayerlessness, which is like, I don't trust God and I'm not going to pray. But then there's this other ditch where you're saying, I'm going to pray all the time because I don't trust God and I want to make sure he knows exactly where I am and exactly what I think I need. We have to be careful here. What we're seeing from Jesus is an expression of deep, deep trust. And we should model our prayers after Christ. God, this is my request I know that you are a God who desires to hear the faithful requests of his children. But in my request, I dare not step outside the bounds of faithfulness. God, this thing that I come to you with, this thing that I come before you with, is what I desire. But if it's not your desire, then I am more pleased with your will than my own will. I'm just saying, I surrender all do we? Because that's what it looks like. All to Jesus, I surrender. All to him, I freely give. That doesn't mean we're robots, but it does mean when we go to God, we say, God, this is what I desire. This is what I want. This is what I'm feeling even led into. This is what I can see, and this is what I feel needs to be done. But if we're modeling the prayer of Christ, we're saying, even with that, if that's not what you desire, I as your child trust your will over my own do you have that deep trust in our Lord I am more pleased with your will than my own will the good news the gospel message in this passage of scripture can be found in consideration of the cup remember he says let this cup pass from me what is that what cup are we talking about Our Lord is in anguish. So what possible joy could we get out of what's happening here? He's fallen down. He's offered up his prayers. Abba, Father, Daddy, nothing's impossible for you. Let let this cup pass from me. What is this cup? This cup is the cup of God's wrath. The cup is of the wrath of God. God. The judgment of the sins of the people is being poured out on Christ. The sins that you and I commit are the unrighteousness that God's wrath takes aim at. Romans 1.18 says the wrath of God is towards unrighteousness because unrighteousness suppresses the truth. As children of God, we do not want to be truth suppressors. We want to be truth speakers. But in our sin and in our unrighteousness, we suppress that truth. And Romans, the the letter to the church in Rome says, that's what God's wrath is taking, amen. He's not just an angry God who flails about, and, and we can't understand it, and he's just always mad. He's Abba Father. But that wrath is specific, and it's towards unrighteousness. Because unrighteousness suppresses the truth. And this cup that he is asking to pass from his mouth is the cup of wrath. Here it is being aimed at with a cup that is to be taken by Christ. So not only is Christ showing us the importance of prayer, he is purchasing for us through his death and his suffering and his resurrection the right to go to God in prayer. Do you see that? Please make that connection. He's, he's modeling prayer for us for sure. But maybe even more than that, he's purchasing for us by taking this cup the right to go to God in prayer. He's the one that connects us to God. That gives a certain value to prayer, does it not? Have you ever had something that you didn't know was valuable, and then you found out later that it was valuable? And like it went from being something the kids played with to something that's now in a glass case with a special light on it or something like that. There's a, there's a show called like Cash in the Attic or, so, or the, the antique road show. People bring in their stuff and it's like, yeah, it was in my granddad's garage for you know 30 years. It's like, well, that's worth $100,000. Okay, I'm not gonna keep it in the garage anymore. There's a certain value that's being given to prayer here. And when you realize what something costs, It should affect your view of its preciousness. Do you hear that? When you realize what something costs, It should affect your view of that thing's preciousness, and so it is with prayer. If we go days and days and days not praying, not seeing the importance of prayer, not striving in prayer, not being steadfast in prayer, not finding a solitary place so that we can lift up our request to God and to listen to God as we pour over the word, then we may not understand the value of it. We may not understand the preciousness of that thing that has been purchased for us at so great a cost. Our Lord Jesus said, let this cup pass from me in his anguish. But the love that he was filled with by our Lord caused him to say, but not my will. Your will be done. If the passing of this cup is not pleasing to you, my Lord, then I am more pleased with your will than my own. That is preciousness. That is value. That should cause us to see the importance and the necessity and the sweetness of prayer. Anywhere you are at any time, you do not need anything but our Lord and the work of the Spirit to be able to go to God in prayer. Peace that exceeds understanding comes from it. I'm hoping that this is the case with prayer this morning. None of us would have any right to go before God and expect anything other than wrath, if not for the cup that Christ took in our place. Look at verses 37 through 38. And he came and found them sleeping. What a bummer. He is lifting up from the depth of his soul, from his heart. He's he's pouring out to God. And he's told him, just remain and watch. And he goes back and he finds him asleep. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Prayer is no waste of time. I've got tons of books on time management. Very few of them say, or maybe none of them say, anything about prayer. They may mention quiet time, or time alone with your thoughts, happy time, however you want to call it. But they don't talk about prayer very much. And I want you to know that, that, that prayer is, is no waste of time. I mean that. Think about how busy you are. Think about all that you have to do. Think about how right now some of you are stressed out that Labor Day's tomorrow and you're going to have to go back to work on, on Tuesday. You're not even looking at the fact that Labor Day is here. And you get, most of you get a day off and you can hang with your families and enjoy. Some of us are so worried about our time. Like I've explained before how I, I have a tendency to be the kind of guy that goes on vacation and can't fully enjoy the vacation because I know it's going to end. Like, I'm going to have to go back to work. Like, first day of vacation, I'm thinking about, oh, man, I, things are going to be piled up. i have a bunch of emails. But I want you to know, no matter how busy you are, no matter how many things you have to tend to, prayer is not a waste of time. It may feel that way. You may very well be like, look, I, I got a lot to do. There's a lot of practical things I have to put my hands to to provide food for my family and make sure I don't lose my job. Prayer is not a waste of time. If it's important to us, we will carve out the time for it. For the disciples, it was sleep that seemed more important to them. Their flesh was winning. Sleep. I love sleep. Sometimes it's easier to come by than other times. And usually when I find that I can sleep for longer, I want to extend that as far as I possibly can. But here it was sleep that got in the way of prayer. The flesh was winning. Remember the pastor I quoted earlier. A desire for God which cannot break the chains of sleep is a weak thing. It's a weak desire. A desire for God that can't break the chains of sleep is a weak desire. Indeed. Colossians 4. You don't have to turn there, but you might write it in your notes so you can look at it later. Tells us to remain steadfast in prayer and watchful in it. Remain steadfast in prayer and watchful in it. One pastor comments, be watchful in your prayers. This means be alert. Be mentally awake. Don't fall asleep praying. Some of us look at that as noble. I fall asleep praying every night. Oh, you think the Lord appreciates that? What if if you fell asleep in your conversations with your spouse? Would they be filled with thankfulness? Oh, they love me so much. That they just fall asleep when they talk to me. Falling asleep in your prayers is not a noble thing. Be watchful, mentally awake. Paul probably learned this from the story of what happened in Gethsemane. Jesus asked the disciples to pray, but found them sleeping. So he said to Peter, Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. We must be on the watch as we pray. On the watch against a wandering mind. On the watch against vain repetition. Some of us go all King James Version when we're praying and we get wrapped up in these and thou's. Oh, Holy Father, yes. Heavenly Father, holy thee thou. And we get wrapped up in it. And we repeat saying, you're so good. You're so good. No specifics. Just good. We get wrapped up in things and our minds just wander. I, there are times where I've been praying, and my mind wanders to like things I need to get done around the house. Lord, help me to be a good father. I need to spend some time with, with hell. I need to, we're going to go, we're gonna, on Tuesday, we're going to go, I'm sorry. A good father, what was I saying? Lord, help me not to neglect my family when I'm doing ministry. Help them not to get seconds. And Lord, I've got to clean out the cars. We have like a thousand Cheerios in the car. I've got to clean it out. And then I need to mow the yard. I'll already be outside. I'll be hot. I'll be sweaty. I'll just mow the yard after I clean the cars. But I can't just clean the inside. I got to clean the outside. I got to go get the shop back out of the shop, and I got to bring it back around. Oh, sorry, Lord. How many be a good dad? We get so distracted. I I do obviously. Maybe y'all don't have it to that extent. Y'all pray for me. Maybe that's what this is all about. Y'all pray for me. I am a distracted man. Um, watchful. On the watch against a wandering mind, on the watch against vain repetitions, against trite and meaningless expressions, against limited selfish desires. But we don't just watch for the bad things, we watch for the good things. We should especially be alert to God's guidance in our prayers in Scripture. It's best for you to pray with this open. You're asking for guidance. James says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach. Do you know that's real? That happens? You can go to God and ask for wisdom and He'll give it to you. You'll be like, I did not know that. And through this prayer, I now know that. And usually he'll reveal something in this, or something with someone you're walking with, and they'll they'll show you a truth that maybe you weren't seeing that connects the circumstance and allows you to walk in it more faithfully. Do you believe that your flesh is weak? Do you believe that your flesh is weak? That's a gut check that maybe some of us need to have. Crosspoint's made up of a lot of pretty independent, strong-minded people. I'm thankful that a lot of you are very, as it says in Romans 14, fully convinced as to what you believe. But your flesh is weak. On your best day, your flesh is weak. For you to think that you don't have to pray is a sign that your flesh is weak for you to go days with nothing more than a token prayer at a meal is actually a sign that your flesh is weak not, not that you don't need him any more than that your flesh is weak if you believe that then my encouragement is that with a willing spirit pray pray I wish I had something more monumental to close a sermon with like a an equation that I could show you the awesomeness that happens. But just pray. Abba Father wants to hear from his children, and he has something to say. And if you don't pray, you will miss that. It's not enough just to be actively involved in your church. It's not enough to only lead family in devotions now and again. I'm convicted about that. We need to spend time in prayer, striving, being steadfast, persevering in it, carving out the necessary time to be specific in it and not vague. Pray. I feel that God has much to do in and with us. There are opportunities that we have in multiple countries right now. Just cross point. We have opportunities in multiple countries for the forward movement of the kingdom of God. We have opportunities locally that we have not even begun to to move in and prayerfully work through. We have everything from staff issues to to, um, building issues to, to issues of children who need homes, opportunities to provide homes for children, training that goes into those kinds of things. We have opportunities to minister to families who are currently on the field and need to hear from us more that we are praying for them. There are opportunities all over the place that Christians are supposed to be in tune with for those who are afflicted, that we're supposed to actually help them and rescue them from that affliction. That there are those who are on the receiving end of injustice and we are supposed to trust the Lord and put ourselves out there and help them to rescue those who are stumbling to the slaughter. That's what it says in the Word. There are many opportunities that we have. I believe that there is much that God has to do in and through us. But I see a horrible hypocrisy and hopeful expectation that is void of prayer. I see a horrible hypocrisy and hopeful expectation that is void of prayer. I promise you, there is much, much to do in the forward movement of the kingdom of our Lord and we cannot be actively excited about that and faithful in that and spirit-led in that if we are prayerless. We must be steadfast in prayer. As we take the supper, I want to encourage you to do what is sweetly commanded by God in Matthew eleven twenty-eight. 28. You don't have to turn there, but you can listen closely. As we pass out the elements, I want y'all to pray. Be honest with the Lord. Speak and listen. As Christ says in Matthew 11. I hope this is an encouragement for you as we take the supper. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Those are promises that are so sweet that we have to learn to cling to more rightly in prayer. Come to me, all who are who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy my burden is light let's pray and then we'll take the supper Lord I am thankful that you are a heavenly father that truly wants to hear from your children regularly and that has something to say to your children regularly you are not some far distant aloof God who has put things in order and then taken his hands off and hoped for the best God I pray that we would be encouraged that you were actively involved in every detail of our day Lord as as we look to the opportunities that you have for us everything from things locally to things in other countries To children who need homes, to widows who need help, and everything in between. As we look to those things, I pray that we would do so prayerfully so that we are not hypocrites. Lord, I don't want this people to be far from you. I don't want us to be simply mindful of a very heavy schedule, yet aloof ourselves in regards to our relationship with our Lord. We need to be praying for each other. We need to be watchful in our prayers. I pray for wisdom. Lord, even as I've shared this sermon, and I hope I've done it by the work and the power of the Spirit, Still, the Spirit has to continue so that we can have wisdom and understanding and how do I take this knowledge and apply it rightly to my life? So I pray for that for this body. I pray for it for myself. Comparatively, I can be prayerless at times and I confess that as sin. I confess it as faithlessness. I ask that you would wash me and renew me make me move forward in prayer in the way that you see fit according to your word. Lord, as we take this supper, we do so humbly and full of thanks. We do want to let our reasonableness be made known as as the body continues to pray as we pass out the elements. But as we take the cup and as we take the bread, I pray that we would be mindful of the cup that did not pass from Jesus' mouth. As we take the bread, I pray that we would be mindful of the, what our Lord endured in love because he trusted you. I'm so thankful for this prayer because we saw the most horrible thing happen to the most wonderful person who has ever walked the earth, our Lord Jesus. But we know that he did it because you're trustworthy. And now he is seated and in session. Thankful for prayer, we pray these things in Jesus' name, Amen. As very blessed children of God, who've been given access to God in Christ, and the sweet privilege, the precious treasure of praying, take a eat, take a drink. Lord as we continue in worship as always we pray that we would do so wholeheartedly aware of what's going on aware of what's happening watchful in our worship that we might not lose sight of the power of our Lord the compassion of our Lord the intimacy that exists because of the work of Jesus pray these things in Jesus name couple things before we close um, if any of y'all are feeling guilt don't our Lord has, has made the necessary sacrifices for us so if you're thinking in regards to prayer I've struggled with this this week and that's why I'm sharing it I'm thinking gosh, I'm reading about these, these huge wonderful people of faith in the way that they pray for hours every day and I'm just like I got to preach on this on Sunday and I'm not even close to that I want to encourage y'all know what kind of God we serve I was studying this week looking at some things in my devotions and they're somewhere in my journal and I'm going to find it give me two seconds God has no needs that I could ever be required to satisfy that's the kind of God we serve a spring, you glorify a spring by drinking, not by hauling water up the hill and dumping it in the spring. God is the kind of God who will be pleased with the one thing I have to offer, which is my thirst. And God is the kind of God who delights not in making demands, but in meeting needs. Our God is very loving, and very compassionate. So if it's been a while since you've prayed, don't go to God in guilt. Go to him overwhelmed by who he is. The foundation of all of our movement must, must be found in who our Lord is. And if we don't understand that, we'll move wrongly and we'll have misunderstandings. But understand how compassionate your Abba Father is. And go to him in prayer. Spend some of the time this week that you might have off for the holiday. Use some of it for prayer. It doesn't have to be hours. But let it be specific. Let it be concentrated. Watch and pray. We have, uh, on Thursdays, we have uh, an elder-led prayer time. Uh, up here at the building. I want to invite y'all. Y'all are welcome to that. We start at 12, try to finish by one. It's just a time of prayer. However, that's not all all there is. It's not like, well, if you want to pray, better carve that hour out. Um, If you need prayer, call us, email us, let us know. All of our information is on the bulletins. It's on the website. We we give out our cell phone numbers readily uh, in hopes that that um, y'all would know that we're here for you. Jesus did not come to be served but to serve and that's how it is with the leadership of your church whether it be elders, deacons, small group shepherds we're not here to be served, we're here to serve and um, we are available for you in those things y'all stand and I'll pray and dismiss y'all Lord we love you very much help us to walk faithfully in the things we hear to not be like the hypocrites that hear it and forget it, but to be people of sincerity, eager to glorify our God as we walk in obedience. We love you. We thank you for Jesus. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all have a great weekend.